I want to look at a, uh, a parable of Jesus this morning. And it starts in uh, Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Like before we even get into the parable, this is, this is you know, kind of rare for Jesus. That he actually explains, before he tells the parable, he tells you the point of the parable. Before he even gets into it, he's already telling you, this is the point of the parable that I'm about to tell you. This is what I want you to take away. And, and so I, I think it's important before we even get into the parable to think about what Jesus is saying. He says um, that he's going to tell this parable to show them that they should always pray. That first little bit, right, that we should always. The word should, if you don't know what that means, that means that it benefits us, right? That we should do it. Why? Because it, it, there's a benefit to it. There's a reason why. It, it benefits us. We should always, always it, it kind of resonates like the words of, uh, of uh, James, this idea that we should always, always, whatever the circumstances, whatever the things that are going on, it will benefit us. We should always pray. We should always, there's, there is something from God that we can uh, attain by going to him in, in prayer in all circumstances and that we should not give up, that we should not give up. In other translations, um, they use the word faint, that we shouldn't faint, that we, it's, it's the, the image of, of being in a battle and, and not giving up, not laying down and being done with it, that, that we shouldn't give up. And so, again, Jesus is telling us why he's going to tell this parable. And he's, and he's purposely saying, that, man, I don't want you to give up. I want you to understand this parable because I don't want you to give up. There's an implication there, right? Don't, don't you think that there's, there's an implication that Jesus is saying you will want to give up? You will struggle with the, with, with the possibility of, of, of wanting to give up, of fainting, of being in the midst of a battle and, and, and wanting to just lay down and just give up. But I'm going to tell you a parable. Jesus is saying, I want to tell you a parable that will encourage you not to give up. And, and I think this is important for us to get our, our minds around this idea that it's a battle. It, there, there is going to be a tendency within us to want to give up. And what I was thinking about for myself, and this is really where this whole thing kind of came from. For myself, when I experience disappointment, I want to give up. When, when, I, when I pray for something and, and I, don't see, I don't see what I want to see, I begin to doubt everything and I want to give up. I, I want to, to just say, you know what? I don't want to be disappointed again. I don't want to raise my expectations because I don't want to be let down. Jesus, I believe, is making the point that we will go through seasons like that. And we should go through seasons like that. We should have high expectations. We should have high hopes. And, and that will result, and there will be times we'll, we'll, we'll want to give up. That we'll, that we'll feel faint. Okay. It's a little story, just to illustrate my point. I talked to my son about a year ago, right? We've been praying with him every night. And, um, you know, he's getting older. He's starting to understand more. And, uh, you know, I asked him something along the lines of, hey, you know, you, you want to pray? You ready to pray? Something, something along those lines. And he said, so, well, yeah, but, you know, prayer doesn't really work. And you're like, oh, man, okay, what have, I've already screwed up my kid. Like, what did I do? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, what, why do you say that? And he says, well, you know, I've been praying for something from God, and he hasn't given it to me. And now I didn't even know that he was praying outside of, you know, our little prayer at the end of the night. But apparently he was praying for something. And so I'm like, well, what, what, what were you asking God for? You know, what were you, what were you praying about? And he says, well, I asked God to give me an Ewok. 
Okay, now, if you don't know what an Ewok is, shame on you, first of all. All right? But it's a furry little animal from Star Wars. You should watch it. But so, so think, about, think about Tommy, right? He's going to God in prayer asking that God would give him an Ewok. What do you do with that? What do you do with that as a dad who wants to encourage his son to, 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 be, to be in prayer? But think about from, from Tommy's perspective. What, you tell me God loves me. You tell me that God can do anything. I want an Ewok. What's, what's the big deal? You know, from this child who is modeling for me incredible faith. I'm not going to pray for an Ewok. Right? I think, like, he, he's modeling for, I believe, all of us, this faith. He just believes. He believes God, God can do anything, and he cares about the desires of my heart. I'm going to ask for an Ewok. That's what I want. How do you respond? And, but he's also saying, but, you know, God hasn't given me that. God hasn't given me my Ewok. So, of course, you know, we have all of our little responses. You know, we can explain the theology of it. Well, Tommy, God doesn't give Ewoks, you know, we could explain the way that God works, and, 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 and that's not really going to help him. That's not what he wants to hear. You know, we can quote a verse. Well, Tommy, all things work together for good. Really? Because I don't have any walk. You know? It can come across, you know, we say things like, well, well Tommy, sometimes God says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says not yet. Thanks, Dad. You know, like it comes across as this, this trite answer. Um, there's one, one that I, I saw. God, God may not answer your prayer right away, but God will always answer your prayer in the right way. Ah, nice. He flipped the words. Oh, man. Really? You know, is that what we want to hear when we experience that kind of disappointment? You know, I thank God for all the unanswered prayers. That's like a country song, right? right? Thanks. Quick draw, McGraw, for your you know, how does that, you know, is that what we want to hear? Is, it, is there any explanation? There is no explanation. And, and we make light, okay? We make light of, uh, of Tommy praying for an Ewok because obviously, you know, we're, we can laugh about that. But the reality is we've experienced things. We all, we're a church that believes you should be praying for healing. We believe that God shows up, that he's active, and that he does all these different things. And so even though I'm making light in this circumstance, there are real painful circumstances that we have gone to God with and we haven't experienced a breakthrough. And, and these trite answers that we give, they're not going to deal with it. There's no answer. And this is really hard for me because I love to think about stuff and I love to, you know, research and come up with answers and, you know, but it's not going to help. There is no answer that you're going to give. There is no explanation that is going to deal with the way that I feel. It's just not going to work. You're not going to be able to explain away the way that I feel. I've been praying for this thing. I've been believing that God was going to do this, and I haven't seen him do it. So what's our response? Do I tell Tommy, well, you know, your expectations, they're too high. You're expecting too much from God. Like, that's not the things that he does. I believe that Jesus is, is, is telling this parable because he knows that he's raising our expectations of what God can do. I believe our expectations should be high. We believe that our hope is in a perfect loving father. A father, the idea that a, a father is someone who's intimately related to us, who knows everything about us, who can do all things. A father who has literally moved heaven and earth 
just to be in relationship with us, just to restore that thing that's been broken. The living hope of the gospel, the living hope realized in the gospel, our expectations should be high. And, you know, we as a church, River City Church, we make it a point to always try to encourage people to have high hopes, high expectations of what God can do. Because we know that's, that's, that's what we see in the New Testament. We have things like the life course and the life course weekend where we say, risk it, go for it. Believe God is going gonna, is, is gonna to do this. Pray for this thing. Pray for your, your heart's desire, the thing that, that you're dealing with. We have things like the Holy Spirit conference. We have prayer ministry after every service. Always encouraging. Man, maybe you've never believed that God could deal with that addiction. Maybe you've never believed that God could heal this wound that I experienced, this memory that I have, this thing that somebody did to me. Maybe you've never believed that God could do that thing. And I don't even want to get my hopes up. We, as a church, encourage through testimony, through all the things that we've talked about. We model it. We teach it that God is alive and that he's active and that he's doing things in our lives and that we absolutely should have high hopes and high expectations of what he can do. Someone in the church Someone in the church previously, before River City Church ever started, they'd had a, had a, a healing in their family where their, 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 their uh, son had just been healed. And someone had told them, you know what, but you really shouldn't tell anybody about that because it might get other people's hopes up. Really? Really think about that. Is that, is that what we see in the New Testament? Look, it's not River City Church. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one that goes around raising everybody's hopes and expectations. Right? Jesus is the one that goes around and says things like, ask whatever you wish and it'll be given to you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you ask in my name, I will give you. For everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And on and on. And okay, we can, you know, put the theology around every one of those verses and explain, well, in context, this is what, whatever. It, no matter how you explain away those verses, you're not going to get around the fact that Jesus is raising our hopes and raising our expectations in those things that he's saying. Some of us have experienced it. Some of us have risked like that, and we put our hope that, that this thing is going to happen. And we've seen the miraculous Last weekend, we had testimonies, people that experienced incredible things. But we know that there's other people that didn't. There's other people that are struggling, that haven't had a breakthrough, that haven't seen the results of, of, of their prayers. They haven't seen God show up in the way that they want him to show up. And I want you to know this morning that that is normal. That is normal. There are people that, that shed tears on a regular basis over things that they haven't seen God show up for. Not yet. And that they're struggling with. And, and, and you need to know it's normal. Why do you need to know that? Because Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to tell you a parable so that you don't give up with the implication that you're going to want to give up. You're going to want to give up hope. You're going to want to give up. You're going to want to lower your expectations. Well, God doesn't work like that anymore. Well, God doesn't do those kind of things anymore. I'm going to lower my expectations because I don't want to be hurt. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to tell you this parable. And I promise we're going to do the parable today. I'm going to tell you this parable <laughs> to raise your expectations. It, would, it, would, it wouldn't be normal to not struggle. I don't know how to say that better. If you're not struggling with wanting to give up, I would ask you, are your expectations of God too low? If you're not struggling with 
disappointment, if you're not struggling with, with I still haven't had the breakthrough, I still haven't seen the results, I, I, whatever. If you're, if you're not experiencing that kind of struggle, I would ask you, are your expectations, are your hopes in God too low? Maybe it's because you don't believe that he really cares about this thing. Maybe you don't believe that it's something that I can go to God with. I didn't even know you could pray about that. What? I can talk to God about that? Maybe it's, it's that you, you don't believe that he's in control. I would encourage you this morning that this parable is to encourage all of us that we should always pray. We should always pray and that we should not give up. Okay, now for the parable, I promise. Verse 2. Luke, um, Luke 18, starting in verse 2, he, he said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. He didn't fear God. He didn't care about right or wrong. There was no moral boundaries that he had. There was, there was nothing to stop him from doing what he wanted. And he didn't care about men either. He didn't really care about people. He didn't care uh, about what they said about him. He didn't care about making them happy. He neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town There was a widow. There was someone without any means to provide for themselves. There was someone who had no advocate to speak on their behalf. There was someone who was utterly dependent, utterly dependent on the goodness of other people, utterly dependent on other people to provide for them. There's a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Another way to say it would be, I need to be I need to overcome this thing. There is, there is an oppression. There is something that I need to be delivered from. And for some time, he refused. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And I honestly think it's okay to chuckle at that, okay? Because I, I think people chuckled when he said it. I mean, first, I mean, think of the judges like, even though I'm a jerk, even though I don't care about people, you know what I mean? I think there was an element of humor to that, that Jesus is trying to use this hyperbole, not simile, right? Hyper, I, I'm trying to, to show this extreme measure that this guy is just an awful person, right? But even he eventually says, you know what? Because this woman keeps bothering me, because she keeps coming after me, because she keeps coming day and night, I'm going to give her the deliverance that she needs. I'm going to, I'm going to deliver her from her adversary. And what point is Jesus making? He says, he tells you, you, already, you have the cheater's notes, because he started off by telling you, always pray and don't give up. And so he's saying, that. Well, look at this widow. She didn't give up. She persisted in prayer. She kept going. She kept going. She kept going. It's not a model of fire and forget. It's not a model of just throwing it out there and then, you know, leaving it that. One person I read a, a quote who said, you know, I, I don't believe in asking God twice about something. I just believe that after I ask him the first time, that's it. That's enough for God. Really? That's cool. You can do that. It's just not Jesus, right? Right? You could do it. It's just not the model of the New Testament. It's not the model that Jesus gives us. Why? Well, because, well, first of all, he tells us a parable of a widow who goes for it over and over again. And also Jesus himself models it for us. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he tells his, his, his closest friends, man, this is going to be a long night, guys. I'm going to want to give up, but I'm going to keep going and I want you to be there with me. And he prays and he prays and he prays the same prayer, going to God and asking for something. He models for us 
at one point he heals someone and, and it takes him twice. Twice he prays for the guy to be healed before he's healed. I don't understand it. All I know is Jesus is modeling for us persistence that we need to keep going. George Mueller is this guy. Like you cannot talk about prayer and not talk about George Mueller because he, he started an orphanage and ran it for like 64 years and never asked for a dime. Like that's his big claim to fame is that he was a guy who prayed like you would not believe. And so whenever anybody talks about prayer, we always talk about George Mueller because he was a guy who said, you know what, if I need something, I'm not, I'm not going to go to people. I'm going to go to God and I'm going to pray about it. And the problem is whenever I've heard George Mueller quoted in the past, I always think, yeah, well, I'm not that guy. Like my prayers don't get answered like that. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, he never asked for any money. I, I saw one, on one website, they, they had tried to figure out how much money he had raised, you know, in today's dollars. It was like over $1.7 million that he had raised without ever asking. Whenever he needed anything, he would go and he'd pray about it. And whenever I've heard George Mueller quoted, I've said, well, that's not me. When I pray, you know, that doesn't always happen. But listen to this quote. This is what he says. The great fault of the children of God is that they don't continue in prayer They do not go on praying. They don't persevere. So even George Mueller, this guy who has incredible things happen in his prayer life, he's saying, I needed to persist. I needed to keep going to God. It wasn't just on the first go round. It was something that I needed to persevere in and that we all, as the children of God, need to do. So why? Why should we persist in prayer? Well, for one Because Jesus models it for us. He says we should do it. Why? There's a benefit to it. We should do it. We should do it because there's a benefit to to persisting in prayer. But the other thing is that it affects God. All right, now this is, people are like, whoa, wait, Theology Thursday, we're going to have to talk about this, right? It affects God. It absolutely affects God. Prayer, as we read about in the Bible, it affects God. This, this dance that we, that we play of, well, you know, is God going to do what God's going to do? Or does God respond to prayer? Doesn't matter. You guys, we can debate about it. We can split our churches over it. We can do all kinds of crazy stuff over what we believe and what happens when we pray. But when you look at the Bible, the implication is it affects God. When we go to him and we pray, there's an effect that takes place. To what degree and how much is God going to do what God's going to do? I don't know. But I do know that it affects him. It affects God when we go to him. And we're showing God, when we go to him in persistence, when we go to him again and again, we're showing him, I'm dependent on you. There is no one else that can provide. You are the only one. I can't do this on my own. We're demonstrating that, that we have faith, that he hears us, that he cares about us. We believe that you act on our behalf. We're showing him, I have reached the limit of my abilities. And we're demonstrating it over and over again. The other thing I think that... um, that you take away from this parable as he's modeling not just persistence, but boldness, right? Like this idea that she is being bold to the point where this, this judge, the, the word when he says, says it, you know, she's going to wear me out, like literally had the, the sense of like black and blue beat up. Like she's bold in the way that she goes. And at one point, you know, Jesus, right after he tells the Lord's prayer, he tells another parable about boldness, that we should be bold, And he talks about a guy who in the middle of the night goes and wakes up his neighbor. That's just obnoxious. But Jesus is saying we should be obnoxious. I like that. Because I'm an obnoxious person. Jesus is saying we should be obnoxious. We should be bold to the point of, and and the way that we go to God and the things that we bring to him. Now, okay, let, let let me be clear. 
God is holy and, and there, there is a righteousness there that we should go to him in boldness. That doesn't mean that we go and we tell him what to do. Being bold doesn't mean that we're going and that we're going to go order God around. But it means we're honest. We're honest with God. We don't, we don't go, you know, I've been praying for this person to come to know you. I've been praying for this healing. I've been praying for this deliverance in this area and it hasn't, and it hasn't happened. But God, you know, hey, your will, I'm good with that. That's not boldness. Boldness is God, I know you're good. I know you're Lord. I know you're over all these things and I want you to know beyond all shadow of a doubt, this is what I want. <laughs> I'm going to be bold and obnoxious. I want this person to know you. I want my daughter to be healed. I want this thing to happen. And I'm going to be bold. I'm not going to hold back. In, in total reverence, in total inability to do it on my own. God, I know you can. I'm going to be bold and I'm going to go to you. And you think about the Psalms. And every emotion under the sun is expressed in the Psalms. That's bold to be honest at that level with God. And some of us are like, well, can you do that? Can I really, you know, like, is he going to be mad? Well, not if you're honest with him, not if you're respectful of him and you recognize who he is and you go to that place and you're like, God, I just want to be honest with you. This is how I feel. I was talking to somebody last night after the the message and, and, you know, she was saying, I got to be honest, like, I'm going to use a different word than she used. I'm mad. I'm mad. There's, you know, I've been going to God and, and, and persevering, and I'm mad. And I'm like, well, he wants to know that. He wants to know that. He wants you to express, to not hold back, but to be able to say, I, I'm really upset with you, God. I don't understand that. Oh, Tom, is that, well, read the Psalms. Read the Psalms, and that's what you're going to see is that there are times when, when David is calling out and saying, I don't understand why you haven't done this thing. You can give the command to save me. At any moment, you can give the command, but you haven't. God, I want you to. Okay. The point is that we should be bold. Okay, he goes on in verse 6. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Listen to what this unjust judge, this judge who has no boundaries, this judge who is not to be modeled after, this judge who is absolutely nothing like God says, And will not God bring about justice? Won't he bring about deliverance? Won't he be the one to deliver you from your enemies? For his chosen ones, for his chosen ones, for the ones that he has chosen, that he has sought out, that he has has seen the value and he has redeemed, that he has gone after. Won't God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, He will see that they get justice. He will see that they get delivered from those adversaries and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The first thing that Jesus does here is huge. And and, and, you know, if you take nothing away from the rest of this talk, I want you to hear this, is that Jesus is contrasting this judge, this unrighteous judge who eventually breaks down for the widow, who's not, that's not God. He's making the point, that is nothing like your God. Imagine if this guy, who's a total not nice guy, if he acts this way, how much more will this God who I've been telling you about? You know, Jesus pioneers this whole language of talking to God as Father, talking to him as Abba, talking to him with a a closeness, with an intimacy that, that had never been preached before. Well, 
Imagine how your father would respond. Imagine how the perfect father that I've been telling you about, imagine his response. Unlike this uncaring judge who's unable to to sympathize with this widow, imagine this God that I have told you about, this father that I have talked to you about. I have told you that he is good, that God is good, that everything that is good comes from him, that he's just, that he is the definition of justice, that he cares about us. Jesus not only preaches this message of God caring about us, but he shows us ultimately on the cross that he hears us. This is the contrast between this unrighteous judge and the judge that we have in our father God. Unlike this poor widow who has no one to speak for her, we, we have a high priest who's able to sympathize with us, who's able to actually experience the suffering that we experience, who's able to sympathize with us in our weakness. We serve a God, a father who chooses to weep with us. We're not a beggar off the street. We're chosen. We're children. Children calling out in in an intimate way to our father. Jesus is making the point, man, if you keep calling out to him, the response of our father God is, is so much different Do you think, do you think that he's going to be able to hold himself back from responding? Again, Jesus, thanks, buddy. Raising our expectations again. But that's what he does. But it's under this guise of it's going to be hard. You're going to want to give up. But keep going to him because he cares. It's not just about going to him and asking for things. Prayer isn't just about going to him and saying, God, I got uh, 10 things on my list today. So this should be pretty quick. Um, We're just going to run through, starting at the top. This is what I need from you. That's not the model that Jesus is giving. He's saying, no, it's like a relationship between a child and a father, a perfect father. Prayer is going to him, not not to inform him about our lives. It's not, hey, God, this is what I did this week, and I just want to let you know in case you don't. You know, like, that's that's not the model of prayer. It's relationship. It's going to him and experiencing relationship with him. Prayer is where we, as imperfect, utterly dependent beings, Go and commune our hearts with the heart of a loving father. That's the model of prayer. One dimension of that is our heart's desires, which we should absolutely bring to God. But that's only one part of it. Prayer is where we pursue a loving relationship with God. He wants, he wants to know our hearts and he wants us to know his heart. At one point in the Old Testament, David is told, he's told that his child's going to die. Imagine that. Like God, God says, so it's not like you're just praying for your child. God's already told him, your child is going to die. But David doesn't take that at face value. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't say, oh, okay. Instead, he prays and he fasts for a week, for seven days. And not, not just any type of prayer and fasting. Like everybody around him was concerned. They're like, like, he's not eating. I mean, he's just laid out on the ground praying out to God. For seven days, David chooses to do this. And then on the seventh day, his son dies. He cleans himself up, eats something, and goes straight to the temple to worship God. David, what? Like, seriously? That's the first, you you know, you're going to go worship God? You're going to go worship God after this thing happens? David had seen too much of the goodness of God to give up. He knew the heart of God. He knew too much to be able to give up on him. 
He had, he had experienced God too much to be able to say, I give up. He had communed with him. He knew the heart of God. He knew that God is for me. God is on my side. And for some of you this morning, you need to hear that. You need to know that. God is on your side. As surely as God was on David's side, God is on your side. He wants your best. And we go to him because we know him, because we can trust in the character of God. And David knew the character of God. He knew that he's good. He knew that he's in control. And he knew ultimately that he's for him. And the struggle that we have is that unlike David, we can, David struggled with it too, but we as, as a people struggle with forgetting the things that God has done. We as people struggle with, man, I, I, you know, this whole sermon is a result of me really struggling and talking to other people that were struggling as we were praying for a, for a family in the church, praying for their, for their baby who died. And it was painful and it was hard. And I remember that like the next week, my daughter was sick and I didn't want to pray for her. I, like, I went in and I was like about to pray for her and I had this moment next to her crib of, I don't want to pray. Like, I don't want to pray for her. Why? Because I don't want to get my hopes up. If God didn't show up here, is he going to show up here? Like, that's my feeling. It's not accurate. It's my feeling. And, and, and it was in that moment that, I, you know, I, I dealt with that struggle. And then as I'm putting together this sermon this week, I remember that same week, that same week, I had had lunch with somebody else in the church. They had prayed for their child, their baby, and God showed up in a powerful way and healed the baby brought a miracle. They'll tell you the trajectory of of our life was changed as a result of God doing this thing in our life. But see, I had totally forgotten that. I had totally blocked out that memory because I was, you know, too busy commiserating on my own thing. This is the struggle that we face. And that's why God does these things like all through through the Bible. He's like, you guys tend to forget who I am. You tend to forget the character of God. You tend to forget the the good things that I've done. And so do this in remembrance of me. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He says things like build a monument. I don't know, build something. Build something to remind yourself of this thing that God has done. Take a bunch of rocks and put them in a pile. I don't care, but do something to remind yourself of this good thing that I've done. Set aside a day and have a festival. Um, Tell your children, tell your grandchildren. Why? Because you will forget. And I don't want you to forget the character of who I am. I don't want you to forget that I am good. And there will be times when you're going to want to give up and you're going to say, I don't believe you're good but I want you to remember the good things that I've done. And so, you know, for some of you this morning, you're like, you know what? I, God hasn't done anything good in my life. I haven't, you know, I haven't experienced that. Maybe you're not even a Christian. I would say risk. Go for it. Put something out there. Let him prove to you the goodness of God. And in just a minute, we're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to ask that God would remind us, that God would speak to us about the good things that we might not even be able to see for ourselves that he's already done in our lives. Okay, last thing. I have, to, I, have, I have to go back to this because, you know, I don't want anybody to worry about Tommy's prayer life. You know, and, and, and so this is what happened. This week I was talking to my wife, Kit, about the sermon, and she didn't know about the Tom, Tommy's prayer for the Ewok. And so we were putting Tommy to sleep, and I said, hey, Tommy, tell Mommy about your prayer, your prayer last year. And, he, and you know, it took him and said, oh, yeah, I was praying. I, I wanted an Ewok, and I was praying that God would, you know, give me an Ewok. And so Kit and I, ha, ha, you know, okay. And then he goes, and then he gave it to me. Or he, he gave it to me. He says something along the lines of, I got my Ewok. And we were like, uh, is the Ewok with us now? You know, like, what do you, like, what do you mean? 
And uh, he said, yeah, it's Star Wars weekend. God gave me an Ewok. And I had totally forgotten that when we had went to Star Wars weekend the last, last year, um, you know, I wasn't even connecting the dots with his prayer or anything like that. He had said he wanted, he wanted to, you know, to hug an Ewok or something like that. And there was like one Ewok and like 10,000 kids. I'm like, dude, it's not going to happen. Sorry. And as we're leaving Star Wars weekend, out, out of nowhere, literally, there's like all these characters that come out. And here, here's a picture. You're going to put the picture up. There it is. But I had totally forgotten that he got his Ewok. But he, he I, I didn't do it. I didn't connect the dots for him. But imagine if, if, if a year ago I had lowered his expectations. Imagine if I had said, well, God doesn't work that way. God doesn't give people Ewoks. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have to tell him anything about his perfect father. I didn't have to tell him anything about the character of God. He experienced it. He connected the dots and he's the one that said it. And it was something that he was holding on to. It's not like he ever even spoke to us about it. It's not like after that moment that he came back and said, God did this thing today. We should be persistent in prayer and we should be bold in prayer. And then we should nurture faith and hope and that we should do everything that we can to protect it and to encourage it to grow. And that faith is in the character of God. Not that he's going to give us the, the things that we want, but that he is good and that he's Lord and that he's pursued us and that he's loved us. Let's stand.